Lakers podcast and I'm your host for this solo edition JC DeLeon and let's get right into it so Ethan and I said we weren't going to do this we said we weren't going to I don't know we weren't going to make too much of anything that might happen post in-season tournament well I don't think Ethan and I I don't think anybody really anticipated quite the fall from the mountaintop that is the championship of the in-season tournament if you can call that a mountaintop lakers are 19 and 21 exactly like they were last year so things have not gotten better and in theory not in theory this is empirically a better roster than a year ago on paper, statistically, everything. So why hasn't it gotten better? Well, I think the answer is, I mean, is obvious. What I've always said is coaching is a skill. And it's a skill you can improve on. And Darvin Ham, and I, and I use the term ahead of schedule a lot. It's kind of my, some of my idioms that, I, that you may have noticed that I always use. And I think Darvin Ham, as a first-time head coach, getting to the Western Conference Finals after the start that he did with the roster that he had to begin the season last year and then the roster that it turned into at the trading deadline. I think with what he accomplished as a first-time head coach, he was ahead of schedule, which, along with an improved roster on paper, it was expected that Darvin Ham would be in a position to where he could improve upon what he did last year and he clearly hasn't and here's the thing I think the roster is fine I think as demonstrated in the in-season tournament although LeBron wisely calls that just two games this is a team that when focused can play winning basketball I think this is a roster whose puzzle needs to be solved and the problem is that Darvin Ham just cannot solve the puzzle I don't know why and it seems obvious Christian Wood has been playing amazing the last few games in the in-season tournament and a few games after that he was getting DNP CDs we didn't know why I assumed that Darvin Ham knows what he's doing. And if Christian Wood wasn't getting playing time, it's because he's not cutting the mustard in practice and wasn't cutting the mustard in games. And you can argue that he hadn't been playing great. But I liked his effort. And I think effort goes a long way in the NBA. Jackson Hayes. I was never a fan of the Jackson Hayes signing in the beginning, and he's shown barely shown glimpses of competent basketball. But for the most part... I feel like I was right with my doubts about that one. Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is, I think, too dependent on confidence 
when he's down he gets really down on himself and that in turn makes for a terrible basketball player Torian Prince Torian Prince despite his inconsistency his veteran savvy and kind of his 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 mindset has kind of sold me I think I think of someone I think of him as semi-reliable despite the fact that he'll have games where he'll appear anything but but reliable right Austin Reeves he's totally fine he's he had the bad start I think he's more than proven himself with this roster if there's friction between him, him and Darvin Ham, I think that's a Darvin Ham problem. I, a guy like Austin Reeves, I don't know how, I don't know how he can't be a coach's darling. Somebody who will adapt to any role. You start him, he'll play great. Put him off the bench, he'll play great. He's ultra consistent. I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't like a guy like that as a coach. Which kind of leads me to, back to the Darvin Ham thing. There's a video that somebody posted on Twitter talking about how Austin Reeves tends to leave three three point shooters open on defense a lot. And people were saying that people were pointing to that, to that as a deficiency in Austin Reeves game and a reason why he might need to be traded. Well, I think as a team philosophy, the team doesn't guard the three point line at all. They're the worst three point line defending team in the league. And I think that's a defensive scheme problem, which is a Darvin Ham problem. In that particular video, if Austin Reeves overhelping on defense when he doesn't need to overhelp, if that's a problem of a young developing player and a bad habit that needs to be broken, guess what that is? That is also a coaching problem. That's not an Austin Reeves problem. And if that can't be coached out of him or if that's not going to be coached out of him by Darvin Ham, Darvin Ham needs to go. I think Ime Yudoka has proven that if there's any kind of conflict and it involves an organization choosing between the players or the coach, you always choose the players. There, I don't think there's a coach in the NBA good enough to warrant an organization choosing coach over players. The chemistry that LeBron James has playing with Austin Reeves, I don't know how you would ever choose a coach over Darvin over a coach over Austin Reeves if the decision came down to Austin Reeves or Darvin Ham I think the players have chosen I think the fans have chosen Austin Reeves has improved his game Darvin Ham has not improved his coaching ability that's where I stand on that I've never been this stringent a fire the coach guy I it I know it's kind of the nature of the beast, but I've, I've I've never been. David Blatt was one of the only coaches where I was like, that guy is not not equipped to handle this. And Darvin Ham, for whatever reason, he's not equipped to solve the puzzle that is this roster. And that's really what I think the problem is. I think this is a great roster. I think this is a great uh, to think of this roster as a mold of clay. I think that Darvin Ham is bad at molding it into a fine piece of china. I think that there's someone out there who can 
figure out the rotations, who can understand that Anthony Davis as a power forward, if you put a competent center next to him, like Christian Wood, or if you put another center slash power forward next to him, like Christian Wood, Anthony Davis, defensive player of the year. But alas, that's not where we're at. That's not the position this team is in. This team is currently out of the plan. They're one of the worst teams in the West. The two worst teams in the NBA are both in the East, so that just doesn't bode well for the Lakers. And where we currently are is exploring trades, just like a lot of teams in the NBA. It's mid-January, so it's, it's trade season, and it's the season in which I become a raving lunatic, and I come up with all sorts of crazy trades that don't make any sense. Like... Let's say Donovan Mitchell. Now, I only posed this in response to D'Angelo Russell posting on a podcast that he's not happy with his role with the Lakers. And quite frankly, when he was moved to the bench, I talked about how his, you know, his reception to being moved to the bench is going to speak volumes as to whether or not he's still a Laker on February 8th at 4 p.m. or whatever time the trading deadline is. And honestly, I didn't expect it, but a lot of people did, as expected when a star, when quote unquote star player gets moved to the bench. Um, his attitude has been really shitty, really shitty. On top of making that podcast, um, his attitude has just been really crappy. His body language is terrible. The Lakers lost in Utah. And in a game in which LeBron was resting an injured foot uh, or, you know, slightly injured foot, D'Angelo Russell got to go off and score a bunch of points and the Lakers lost, but he was happy because he got to hope because he got to hoop. It's not the attitude that this team needs to have and he should go. Despite the fact that he finally decided to make some shots. So in that podcast clip, he talks about how he plays best when he controls the game. And it's just... You pair him with a shooter and a roller, like he had in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, he had Jared Allen as the roller, and he had Joe Harris as the shooter. And D'Angelo Russell had a career year. He was an all-star that year. And it's only because he mentioned that scenario, along with the Cleveland Cavaliers possibly being in a position to where they want to trade Donovan Mitchell or lose him this summer for nothing. Because... There are serious doubts as to whether or not he'd re-sign in Cleveland, where when he wanted to go to the Knicks, the Knicks are in a position to where they made a trade, and they made a smart trade. They traded for things that they actually needed, and lo and behold, I think they've been undefeated since making that trade for OG and Anobi, who would have been a fantastic Laker, by the way. So only in the vein of D'Angelo Russell posting that in conjunction with Donovan Mitchell being available or Cleveland being in a position to where they don't want to lose him for nothing. Now, somebody asked me if I was doing a bit when I proposed the following trade, but it's when you factor in the Cleveland Cavaliers losing Donovan Mitchell for nothing or gaining a D'Angelo Russell who can be paired with the roller he had in Brooklyn and Jared Allen. And a shooter like Max Struess, who's not quite the shooter that Joe Harris was, admittedly, 
still a shooter. 37% this year from three. Not lights out, but higher higher than league average shooter, Max Struess. D'Angelo Russell is in a position where he can return to all-star form in Cleveland. And to me, that is not a bad return for Donovan Mitchell. You send Donovan Mitchell and Isaac Okoro, who's a good defensive player, to the Lakers for D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, maybe Jalen Hutchifino. That seems like a fair trade to me. But, you know, that's with the understanding that I know that D'Angelo Russell is not the caliber player that Donovan Mitchell is. I get that. But I'm not doing a bit. That is not the most lopsided trade out there. It's not Pau Gasol to the Lakers for a young Marc Gasol. Who, you know, it's not a lopsided trade. It's a crazy trade. It would certainly make waves for both teams and Cleveland fans, I'd imagine, would not really be happy with losing a player like Donovan Mitchell, but a precedent has been set. Portland lost Damian Lillard for Evan Turner and Malcolm Brogdon. Or not Evan Turner. Uh, for Malcolm Brogdon and some you know first-round pieces, and Malcolm Brogdon... Is barely even playing for the Portland Trailblazers, and the Trailblazers team is terrible. Scoot Henderson may not be quite as good, or at least is not going to start out as good as it seemed. That was a lopsided trade. But D'Lo, Rui, maybe a couple other pieces for Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro to the Lakers? Not too crazy to me. Uh, improbable, highly unlikely, but not crazy to me. And I'm biased because it's my opinion, but whatever. I am willing to announce that I could be wrong on some things. Namely, I'm beginning to think that I might be wrong, only in the Lakers case, about the where there's smoke, there's almost no fire cliche. I've always maintained that the amount of smoke, the amount of news stories, the amount of clickbait there is around a trade regarding the Lakers, it almost never happens. Kyrie Irving, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. I don't think those are ever going to happen, and I still don't. I didn't really believe the DeJounte Murray to the Lakers thing. But it seems as though it's more and more likely because, I don't know, the wording of some of the articles just makes it seem like this this is probably going to happen. DeJounte Murray to the Lakers. Now, I wasn't really with that. He, he hasn't paired well with Trey Young, and so I don't think there's a lot of data in which people can kind of predict whether or not he'd be good for the Lakers, and that's scary to me. But... The alternative is going down the same path that the Lakers have gone, and so a change has to be made, and if the change is DeJounte Murray, it, it could be a good change. Now, I wasn't convinced it would be a good change until this morning, in which I've seen some some places report that, along with DeJounte Murray, could come Clint Capella. Now, Clint Capella, I think, 
is what makes this trade. I think what makes a lot of trades really successful is not the main pieces. Because for the most part, the main pieces kind of cancel each other out. It's what else are you giving me? Are you giving me a first round pick that's going to pay off next year? Or are you giving me a veteran, a savvy veteran who's going to ride at the end of the bench? Or are you giving me a young player who just needs a new start in a new place and all of a sudden he's going to blossom? Well, Clint Capella, I think, is sort of the mix of that veteran at the end of the bench, but I think he's also somebody who can thrive next to Anthony Davis. Now, the question becomes, is Darvin Ham smart enough to recognize that he would need to start Clint Capella next to Anthony Davis? Honestly, he might be a bad enough coach to miss that obvious pairing. And you could see another Thomas Bryant situation or another Mo Bamba situation where Clint Capella sits the bench because for whatever reason, Darvin Ham just doesn't think he could play. When Clint Capella has been having a good year, averaging a double-double, 11.3 points per game, 10.5 rebounds, one assist, averaging almost two blocks a game. Pair that next to Anthony Davis and... Honestly, I think the three-point line defending problem could kind of be solved. If the problem with defending the three-point line is guys like Austin Reeves over helping because of penetration, because they don't trust the rim, because opposing teams don't trust the rim protection, well then if you have Anthony Davis and Clint Capella out there, nobody's going to try to penetrate on this team, and Austin Reeves and the other wings can stay home on the three-point line, and just everybody play man, and I think that could work. I don't know if Darvin Hamlet. But I think the elephant in the room when it comes to the Lakers and who could be traded, who might not be traded. Now, there are a number of reports coming out that the Lakers don't have any interest in trading Austin Reeves, which is great. I think. I don't think the Laker fans want to see a repeat of Alex Caruso and see Austin Reeves in another uniform. You would think that LeBron would be consulted on any trade and. I don't think he would sign off on an Austin Reeves trade, or at least I hope he wouldn't sign off on an Austin Reeves trade. If there are some packages that I think are worth, well, no, I don't want to say there are some packages. I I don't want to see Austin Reeves lost. It seems like it's becoming more and more of a certainty. I think at this point, if Austin Reeves were traded, it's hard to say I would be surprised I'd be surprised on a certain certain level, but then I'd be I wouldn't be surprised on another level. Here's here's the worry. Is that the Lakers will overcorrect. Now I've called the Russell trade, the Russell Westbrook trade an overcorrection. It was not it was it was a bad decision, yes. And it was an unnecessary decision, yes. It was an overcorrection on the problem. Of redundancy. I think you had players like Kyle Kuzma in a in a in an undefined role where he wasn't hitting his potential. And I think you have the same well, you don't have the same with Austin Reeves. I think you have the same with this roster as a whole. I don't think 
I don't think what Darvin Ham is doing with Jar Jared Vanderbilt is putting him to his maximum because as great as he is defensively, he's an absolute and total 1,000% liability offensively. And to me, if he's going to be that much of a liability offensively, he's not really worth the good that he brings defensively. And so Jared Vanderbilt is just another kind of Kyle Kuzma. Whereas Kyle Kuzma could shoot and score, couldn't really defend very well. Jared Vanderbilt can defend very well. That dude cannot shoot to save his fucking life. My God, is he a bad shot. Uh, it's just terrible. It's awful to look at. So, the players that I would be willing to trade, obviously, uh, D'Lo. Uh, <clears throat> uh, D'Lo, I think, I don't think the Lakers are in a position where they can keep, if they're going to make a trade, I don't think they can keep both Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Those are two good quality players that other teams would want, and I don't think the Lakers can keep both of them. If they can, that'd be great. I don't think that's a possibility. So, of the two, I, I mean, I'd be willing to trade Rui, as much as it would hurt me. Um, D'Lo, Rui, Vanderbilt, uh, Reddish, Hayes, I mean, Jalen Hushafino, although, I mean, who's going to take him? He's, he was a bad draft pick. He's a bad NBA player. He might be a good NBA player one day. His shot is busted. He's not very fast. Like, I don't know what he's good at. He's not that tall. Like, just a bad pick. Um, so, yeah. But those are the only trade. Like, yeah, as far as I mean, the only trade it seems like the Lakers can make is with Atlanta for Dejounte Murray. And if that is going to happen, I do hope that Clint Capella comes with him. I think that would be great. Beyond that, I don't really know. Um, but looking on to the Lakers' next game or the next uh, potential disaster for this Laker team, which currently sits 11th in the west they are going to next play the oklahoma city thunder who are near the top of the western conference and the lakers have beat the thunder i think the lakers have proven that with uh, some great focus they can play against a team like oklahoma city then they play denver then they play brooklyn they don't really have a break until they play the blazers on the 21st so the Lakers have a stretch of home games, which is good, but the way they've been playing, uh, who knows? Who knows? Of the next four home games, one of them is for sure winnable. You hope that the Lakers can win three of the next four home games, but, man, who knows? Like, hmm. Hard to say. It's not not fun being a Laker fan these days. And, you know, Ethan and I talk constantly about the wasting of a good LeBron James year. How about a wasting of an MVP Anthony Davis year? If the Lakers were third or, four, or fourth in the West right now, Anthony Davis would be leading MVP conversations, and he's simply not. And honestly, I don't blame the fact that he's not because the Lakers are terrible. Like, how could you reward anyone in this team for anything that they've done? It's just terrible to watch. But hopefully things get better. And, you know, with that, that is going to be the end of this episode. I was your solo host, 
JC DeLeon. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at JC DeLeon1. You can also find the show on Instagram and Twitter at Ethos Lakers. You can follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. And until next time, we are out. Thank you.